It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show Tony Guerrero from the Tony Guerrero Quintet. Hi, Tony. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, I had to seek you out on social media after I went to the Jane Lynch See Jane Sing event at the Barclay. Oh, my gosh. What an evening. <laughs> we have a lot of fun with that show. It shows. It shows. Yeah, good. What, the, good. The chemistry. I mean, let's talk about this. When did you form the Tony Guerrero, Guerrero Quintet? Well, you know, in my mind, I formed it uh, <laughs> 30 years ago because I've, I've been working on my own music and my own, I've had my own group since really almost since high school. Um, so it's just over the years evolved and evolved. And then um, roughly about uh, almost 20 years ago, uh, I started working with Matt Johnson, who is the drummer. And over those the last couple of decades, we've gone through a few different uh, groups of people, and we've in the last few years settled on this group that these five guys that just we just gel so well together. We have so much fun. We yes. there's a there's we're we're good friends outside of the music, and it's just a joy to be really to be in a band these days. So many musicians um, make a living. Musicians who work clubs or or just make a living playing. It's going from one band to another to another, and you know, it's uh, right. our job to job. Um, and this is really a band, and it's just uh, it's such a pleasure to be able to be a part of that with people you like. And um, so, yeah, we've been together quite a while, and and played all over town, and done a lot of touring together. You're so blessed because uh, I I actually play guitar. I'm definitely oh, not great. as good as most musicians in your band, but it's hard to find the right chemistry, and when you do, it's an absolute blessing. Uh, absolutely, and I feel that. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of that all the time. So Yeah. So the, the talent behind this group, I just want to uh, give a little run-through. Um, Matt Johnson on drums? Matt, it, yeah, Matt is really one of the, the premier drummers in town. He, he's got a great reputation. I mean, uh, has so worked good. with a lot, of, a lot of great people, and and he's, uh, yeah, I, you know, I describe him as a a big band drummer in a small ensemble because, mm-hmm. um, you know, he plays with the energy and excitement of a big band drummer, but we're a small five-piece band, and yet he, what he does elevates the energy of the band so that, uh, you know, we don't get lost in a big theater right. like, a, like a lot of small jazz ensembles might, but he, he definitely plays a big role in... Uh, just elevating that energy, and as you can tell, he's kind of a showman, and, Funny. and he has oh, he yeah. has a lot of fun. Yeah, he's the one thing missing in Jane's show is that usually when when the band performs by ourselves, uh, Matt is also on the microphone, and so the two of us have a lot of banter between us. Yes, and so we don't do that in Jane's show because we have such a, a short little opening segment. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a very funny guy. We have a lot of fun together. I, I'd love to see that. So I'll have, when we're done with this, we'll have to, um, you'll give out maybe your website and yeah, um, absolutely. when you're playing. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, Mark, is it, uh, Vischer on Woodlands? Mark Vischer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mark has, uh, we've been friends for several years and he and I toured together with, uh, John Tesh's big band for a oh, while. Wow. And, uh, he was, sort of became my road buddy because, um, you know, a lot of musicians, especially when they've been on the road a lot. Uh, they tend to stick close to the hotel or not go out very much. But I, Mark and I both share this affinity for uh, where, whenever we get to a town, we want to go out and see it and it's great. walk around downtown. And, you know, we both like to go to um, vintage stores and things like that. So we have a lot of fun on the road. And um, he's also a very funny guy. He's probably uh, arguably the funniest guy in the band, and that probably would even 
go for Jane and Kate would probably agree. How funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then you've got Dave. Uh, is it Cybels on keyboards? Dave Siebel's. Siebel's. Dave Siebel's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dave is a, uh, a well-respected Hammond B3 player, which we, we didn't have on that particular show. Um, but he's, he's one of the few guys that really knows how to play the organ, the uh, Hammond B3, which is a legendary jazz sound. Okay. But he's obviously a fantastic piano player, too. Um, but we met him originally uh, be nine years ago. We started playing with Dave. And uh, he was playing organ with us most of the time. And, um, yeah, he's fantastic. And, and he's uh, very seasoned and has worked with a ton of people in the industry, a lot of legendary acts that he's been musical director for, and he scores a lot of films. And so he's a, he's a pretty serious guy. Fantastic. And then David Miller on stand-up bass. David Miller, right. Well, since uh, you're uh, part of UCI, I'll say mm-hmm. that Dave Miller is an Irvine resident. Okay. <laughs> Cool. But he's uh, he was born and raised in Irvine, and then he actually was a uh, uh, in New York City for a long time as a um, built a great reputation as a bass player there, and then moved back here to raise his family and um, and he teaches locally and performs all over and uh, yeah he's a fantastic and he's um, for those of you who know about that instrument the upright bass he's one of the few gut string players out there meaning like he his bass has that vintage bass sound. So he's using like these old gut string strings on it that um, not a lot of guys use anymore. It was so good. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we, I, I want to talk about that evening, see Jane sing with Kate Flannery and Tim Davis. But I want to tell you, I was sitting next to my 18 year old daughter and I'd never taken her to listen to jazz music. And the yeah. entire night, I look over and we both have these permanent smiles. And it was so <laughs> cool because I thought, oh, I don't know if she'll like this. You know, she's right. 18, but she knows Jane Lynch. She loved every minute. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm glad you said that because really uh, I think one of the things we found uh, playing jazz, even, even just around town, um, a lot of people don't realize they like jazz until they get into a situation where there's live jazz being played in front of them. And I, I will say that we, we make it a point um, to think about the audience and to think about entertaining the audience. And mm-hmm. so we're very conscious of the, the music we do and the things we're saying and trying to engage the audience and be entertaining, uh, as well as playing some great classic music. And, uh, you know, admittedly, there's a lot of jazz bands who, uh, I mean, lack of a better way to put it, can be kind of boring on stage and not pay a lot of attention to the audience. And so when you get a a person, it kind of doesn't matter their age. And we have, just like you described, we have teenagers show up to our show, sometimes against their will. They were sent there by a a professor in college (laughs) and they have to do a report or something. But when you put the right kind of music in front of them and you give it some energy and and you are entertaining uh it's amazing how many of them say exactly what you say i had no idea that i like jazz or that jazz could be like this so you know and jazz i mean the i do i know a lot a good amount about jazz history and you know a lot of jazz was meant to entertain and it was uh written for dancers and it was written to entertain the audience and so the idea that jazz has to be this serious um thing and and uh you know anyways you get what i'm saying (laughs) no i do and i was going to say and there are different types of jazz and i i was explaining to my daughter some jazz seems like uh i don't know if that's the right word but it's like fusion where you don't really you can't kind of follow along and 
catch a beat and feel it internally and, and right. you can't connect to it. And that kind of jazz, I don't think would be her thing. But sure. um, this, you know, I remember being eight years old, I was living in New York and the first time I saw somebody play electric guitar and I walked up, I was probably five feet staring at his fingers yeah. you know, and up and down the neck. And I thought, you know, this is incredible. What is this? And it was a life changer. So when you touch kids at any yeah. age with music, it's powerful. Right. And as a musician, I I love and appreciate different styles of music that, you know, there's a lot of jazz and a lot of different forms of music that are kind of intended for the musicians. You, you know, some of the music you just described, fusion and, and some of the str- stronger forms of the music right. are kind of designed for uh, people who are really into the music as, uh, technically. And I, yes. I watch players play things that I would never in a million years be able to play or composers or improvisers do things that are just way beyond me. Um, right. But then I also go right back to people like Louis Armstrong and oh, yeah. Louis Prima and, and people like that who were amazing musicians but also entertain the audience. Dizzy Gillespie is another one. Um, but yeah, that, what you just described, there's a great quote from uh, Chuck Mangione, and you know he was known for working with full orchestras. Yes. And he said, he said uh, this, this is my paraphrase, but he basically said, um, if you could sit, I wish I could sit everybody in the audience in the middle of the orchestra so they would feel the power of being around 70 musicians and be right in the center of 70 musicians making music together. And what you described, being five feet away from the guitar player and watching him, that it is a very powerful thing to be around live music and to be immersed in it as opposed to even sitting you know, back a few rows. But to be immersed in music like that is really powerful. Yes. It doesn't get lost on me, and I've been doing it for a lot of years. Oh, so. that's great. So how did this connection form with Jane Lynch and Kate and Tim Davis? Uh, I've known Tim Davis for, uh, um, I want to say, probably about 12, 13 years now. And Tim Davis, um, we met, we were both involved at Saddleback Church and uh, in the music there, and he came on as a vocal director. But he, you know, he, by the time he, I had met him, he had already become very well established both in Nashville and in L.A., as a um, not only a great singer, but as a producer and a vocal arranger. And over these last few years that I've known him, his reputation has just soared, and he's pretty much doing every major vocal thing out there. He's probably the guy doing it. Um, you know, anything from the Academy Awards to the halftime shows at the Super Bowl, and, wow. and he's, he's <laughs> the guy behind a lot of vocal things that are happening. And uh, one of the things he got called to do um, was in 2009 he was asked to be the vocal producer on the show Glee yes. and so he he was that for the whole run of that show and obviously that's how he met Jane and Jane um, had a background in in theater um, and some musical theater but had never really done this kind of thing before and about four years ago she was asked by she had maybe five years ago, she was uh, offered the role of Miss Hannigan from the show Annie on Broadway. And so she did a, a run of that. I'm not sure how long it was, a few months. Mm-hmm. And it kind of lit that fire for her again. And at that time, there was a club in New York that uh, called 54 Below that basically offered her three or four nights and said, hey, why don't you bring your act here? And she said yes, nice. even though she didn't have an act. <laughs> <laughs> and then she called Kate Flannery, who a lot of people will know as Meredith from The Office, and they've known each other for uh, a few decades. They go back to Chicago together, 
and had done some touring and, and performing together. And so she called Kate and said, hey, Kate, I've got these few nights. Come and do this with me. So they, they did an early incarnation of C. Jane Singh long before any of us were on it. Uh, they did those three nights in New York uh, back early 2014, I think. Love it. I love it. The chemistry, but, incredible. Yeah and, yeah. Then, yeah, and so she loved it, and she came back to L.A. and basically said, I want to do more of that, and she asked Tim to help and to be involved, and Tim recommended me. And uh, the whole thing kind of snowballed, because originally it was going to be one show in San Diego, and it was just going to be a, a trio. So I was going to play piano, and I was going to have bass and drums. And then as I heard the music, I suggested we could probably use a woodwind player for some of this music. Mm-hmm. And then they asked if I could do a little opening bit with my band. And I said, well, this isn't my band if I'm on piano, because I'm the trumpet player in my band. Right. Um, so why don't I bring my piano player and then during Jane's show, I'll switch to piano, and he can play second keys and do all the string parts and all of that stuff. So, again, it was supposed to be one night, but at the rehearsal for that, she was having so much fun, she basically called her management team and said, book a lot of dates. This is going to be great. Excellent. Yeah. I know. I can't imagine it just being in San Diego. Yeah. No, no. It, it, so that was in uh, October or September. Yeah, October of 2014 was our first show. And... Uh, we ended up booking a lot of days through 2015. We did a whole month run in 2016. And then, yeah, so it's been really great. Uh, it was really incredible. It was also my birthday. So I thought, this oh, is, it was. Th- yeah. yeah, it was like the, the most fun I've had on my birthday in the longest time. It was great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's awesome. What advice would you give to people that are musical, that are trying to find their way, you know, connect with a band and, you know, get their career going? Uh, you know, there's there's not one bit of advice. There's several things I always fall to. One is open up your ears to all sorts of music um, and and really get into it. Like, learn about country music and jazz and rock and, like, really learn about who the great artists are and listen to their music and, and identif- start to identify what makes, uh, especially in classic music, music that has lasted 50 years, 60 years, you know, Identi- start to identify what those things are. To me, the, the greatest modern-day musicians have their roots uh, in the history of their music. And mm-hmm. so That's right. I, I, I kind of feel like I can tell if somebody's influenced. Let's say as a sax player, like I, have, I have no problems with a guy like Kenny G. I think what he does is perfectly great for what he does. But I can tell when a kid coming up has only listened to Kenny G. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or... Sure or a singer has only listened to Justin Timberlake, and they don't know about the history that led to what those artists are doing. Right. Um, so I always encourage people, find out who your favorite artists are in every genre, and then go find out who their favorite artists were and who influenced them, and then go back and find out who influenced them. So build that history, because it only makes your own music and your own musical experience richer and that's a big thing for me, is to really explore all the music. Obviously, uh, this is a craft, and you need to practice your craft. And so to to keep in mind, it's it's almost like a threat. Keep in mind that you will never, ever master your instrument, which mm-hmm. means every single day you have a chance to get better on your instrument. Until the day you die, there is always something new to learn on your instrument. And so to be open to that, as a journey and that not to see an end goal of I have to get this good and then I can do what I want to do, but to look at it as a lifelong journey that you'll never master as frustrating as that sounds. But even 
Yo-Yo Ma will, will never claim to have mastered the cello. Um, so I'll mm-hmm. have that in mind, that, that it's a life journey to be on, this, on your instrument, and it's an honor. It's a, what a thrill to be able to play music. So many people, if you can play a few notes on an instrument, already you are the envy of <laughs> millions of people who can't. You know, so you, make, you make me feel a lot better listening to that, because it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely true for me. I mean, I make a living as a professional musician, but I can name a thousand musicians that I wish I was half as good as them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always room to grow and, and, uh, and learn. And, you know, I was taking classes again just a, a couple years ago, just because I was at a place where I sort of stagnated, and I thought I, I need to be filling my head with new information, so I started taking some new music classes and yeah, it's never never too late to keep learning, and you always really should be. Was it like music theory you were taking, or is it... Uh, I was taking some orchestration classes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, kind of music theory, and yeah. uh, um, wanted to study some jazz arranging and, and things, even though, again, I've been making my living in the jazz world for a long time, but there's always stuff to learn. I want to share something with you. Um, a, a woman I know who's an incredible guitarist, Gretchen Men, uh, was reading this book called Zen Guitar by Philip... Uh, uh-huh. Toshio Sudo and everything you're saying about you're never done um, you know even if you only know three chords he talks about you know you can't have an ego that's not yeah. what it's about and don't try to compare yourself and even if you can only play two notes play those notes the best you can play you know and, and have expression it's not about how fast and you know trying to be somebody else right yeah I definitely believe um, I, I have this uh, theory that every single one of us uh, is creative, and um, if you uh, if you think about every child you hand a crayon to, they'll they'll start drawing and they'll create art, and they're proud of their art. They have no inhibitions about it, and they're they'll show it to you, and they'll be proud of it. Um, and then somewhere along the line, somebody started to compare them and tell them that's not as good as this per- this art, yes. and that's not you're not as good as this person. And then uh-huh. now we have most adults would probably tell you, oh, I'm not an artist. I can't draw. I can't do anything. But at some point in their life, they were an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel like we all have that creative nature. And for most people, it's been stifled. And that doesn't mean it has to be creative in music or art or even in any of the arts. Some of us are creative uh, in the kitchen. We're creative with hospitality. We're creative in our business. But the whole the whole idea that we are creative beings, um, I think if if more people would explore that uh, in their own lives, I would think we'd find a lot more happiness. Because I know for me, if I'm not in a place where I'm able to explore my creativity, oh, I start yes. to I, I start to lose my mind. I have to be creative, even if sometimes I actually learned that lesson. Uh, I was going to this is 20 plus years ago. I was going through a dry spell, and there wasn't a lot of work going on. And I was I ended up building a putting together a cabinet from IKEA. And I found myself so happy to just be building something and creating something um, that it just dawned on me that it's the act of creating. Yes. I, ha- I happen to find that in music, right? but the act of creating means so much to me personally. I get that. And and that's why I came up with this show, too, because get the funk out. Like, can you imagine? You can't imagine your life without music. No, not at all. No. It, it's how you, it's part of breathing. It's what, what makes you tick. It's... It's a you know release. It keeps you sane. I mean, I could name so many other things. Um, 
And as you said, you don't have to be a phenomenal musician, but once you have that in your life, I know there are evenings I'm like, what am I craving? Oh, yeah, I'm craving to go upstairs, close the door, and play guitar for an hour. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So where can people find out more about you? Well, the easiest way is to go to uh, my website, which is TonyGuerrero.com, and that's Mm -hmm. T-O-N-Y-G-U-E-R-R-E-R-O.com. And uh, you can get on a mailing list there. I think there's a contact link or something like that. And uh, you can get on a mailing list. And we don't send out a ton of stuff, but we try to let people know where we are. And I'll be honest, right now in town, there's not a lot of uh, local jazz clubs. There's a, a couple that are popping up and doing it, you know, once or twice a month. Um, but uh, there used to be a club called Steamers that closed about two years ago. And that was jazz seven nights a week. And that's, you know, we were one of the house bands there. And, uh, so there's nothing like that right now. So it's a little more sporadic in town um, between Orange County and L.A. But, you know, we certainly will let people know when we are doing something and uh, obviously would love to have people come out. Fantastic. And anytime you want to uh, have me promote something or come back on, I would love it. I really enjoyed talking to you. Oh, that's terrific. Thank you so much. Thank you.